0: Hello and welcome to another edition of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host, as always, SM, and with me tonight I have Boyan. Hi, mate. How are we? Uh, We've got a couple of pretty controversial or interesting games to talk about, so we'll get straight into it with the Man City-Liverpool clash, which was the early game. Um, Last week we were talking about how we were looking forward to this as an early game with plenty of goals expected, and uh, we certainly got quite a few goals in the end. (laughs) Uh, courtesy of what turned out to be quite a controversial incident on the board at least. Um, but what was your take on it, Mane's sending off and the, uh, the subsequent goal fest from City?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely a red card. I mean, it, it's slightly unfortunate, and I understand the argument. If he got there a half second early, then he poked the ball past, past the keeper, Edison. Edison probably tapes out Mane, and then it's a red card for the goalkeeper. And the you know the game obviously goes a completely different way, but it's the same. You know, if you take away the fact that it's uh, a forward on a keeper with a high foot, you do that anywhere else on the pitch, it's a red card for sure. If you're late, if you make a late studs up challenge, it doesn't matter if you're half a second late or two seconds late; it's still a red card, especially that high. So you know, it's a bit unfortunate for Liverpool because he's really, I think the. Lynchpin and their kind of main player when you look at kind of their team, and they're about to kind of face your team. He's the person that you're scared of because he's got that electric pace and he's been in such great form since um, he he moved there. Now, when, when they got down to ten men, that really, I mean, Pep Guardiola's style really kind of suits that. That slow like build-up play, of possession, having the fullbacks drive up the pitch, that kind of stuff. You know, they're always going to cut Liverpool up. Um, and I guess as we kind of touched on um, last week both defenses are fairly fairly poor I don't think that excuses Liverpool's defending the way they just were able to You know they weren't really playing triangles down by the byline in that kind of Barcelona style I mean, these are kind of regulation through balls to the center forward and uh, Yeah, Matic was pretty poor so was Flavins. So it was. So, it, was know, it was pretty
0: surprising real... that they still played such a high line because quite a few of the goals came from great through balls. As you say, it was just through balls straight down the centre, basically that that Aguero or Jesus hmm. was able to latch onto.
1: I mean, I think I think some of these managers in the A. P. includes, and not only Klopp but you know, Guardiola, Arsene Wenger is probably like the, the the main <laughs> the main one at the moment. They are so used to, to winning under a certain style, and they're so stubborn. You know, they've seen that success in that one one style. They're loathe, uh to change it, I guess, in the, in the same way that Liverpool didn't really spend enough money on the window in bringing in um, more more defensive cover, although they did do well to buy your mate Andy Robertson. He really doesn't seem to be buying
0: a game a at top. the moment, which I was a bit surprised about. When I, mean, I no. thought he was just about man of the match against Palace, I think.
1: Yeah, that's a, a, a strange one. I can't really talk to that. So I haven't really followed it much, but yeah. they're in desperate need of a top-drawer centre-half. The partner John Matip, because they don't really have one, and that's kind of was the, the big debate over the summer when they were talking about Michael Keane potentially going there and there was, you know, the local fans were saying, well, he's not better than Lovren and Clavin. Well, I think, we sh- I, I, I think the start of the season's kind of shown that to, uh, to be false and that he is... Better than them, and that was an area that they desperately needed to. They desperately need to improve it. But if the, if they want to challenge for the title, then you, you, all title-winning teams have got a dominant centre-half pairing. It's as simple as that. And you need that. You need that spine of your team. Yeah, to top and, draw.
0: And I mean, you touched on it before that both teams actually had defensive frailties, and I guess the red card sort mm-hmm. of absolved Man City of that. And especially Ottomendi mm-hmm. would have been quite relieved because early in the game, Salah and, and Mane as well were both really just running at that City defence, uh, playing such a high line. There were so many chances that Liverpool really should have scored from, um, especially Salah had some pretty poor finishing, couldn't finish off quite a few good chances for Liverpool, um, that just made City look very vulnerable.
1: Yeah, he's really one-footed, Salah, and, you know, I'm a bit of a closet Roma fan because I used to, you know, Francesco Totti was always one of my favourite players, so I still kind of follow them a bit, and he's more of a provider i'd say than a goal scorer so you know he's had a class start to the season for uh, for them but i wasn't surprised that he was kind of missing those chances He normally will last couple of years be looking to square that to eden jacques but obviously he's um, he's not there and they're probably you could argue they're missing a recognized center forward they kind of play a 10 in in up, up up there quite a bit but you know they don't I mean, outside of 11 Dowski, Klopp's never really had a recognised centre forward. So, you know, maybe he's happy with the kind of interchangeable number tens and uh, attacking midfielders in the final third. But um, I guess, like, aside from this game, it's worked all right for them so far. So, you know, can't argue too much about that.
0: Yep, I guess we'll see. Um, speaking of class centre forwards, uh, one return to form pretty well against Everton in uh, Harry Kane, who as soon as the calendar gets out of August, we are into September, and sure enough, he finds the back of the net. He found the back of the net for England, and now he's found the back of the net for Spurs, and a pretty comfortable 3-0 win for Spurs in the end against Everton. And um, you'd start to say maybe some warning signs for Coman, the fact that they've spent so much money over the summer. I think there was actually the comparison made to... Uh, the fact that when Spurs went on that spending spree after selling Bale uh, and bringing in six or seven players that didn't really actually offer a whole lot, they you know—they looked impressive in terms of the names and what they could theoretically offer to the team. Um, mm. And you look at that again now with Everton, and you look at Sandro, you look at Klassen, you look at a couple of those players, even Sigurdsson really, who don't really seem to have started their seasons all too well for Everton.
1: That's right. I mean, Thomas Nine and I kind of called it on the... Harry Kane front, thought he was almost a monte de straw. Obviously I'll to shout out up. to
0: Thomas Nine because his tip to, to captain him in fantasy, I went through with that and was very happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, I mean, obviously they got a little bit of fortune with Kane's cross, Ronaldinho style that went into the far top corner. Um, oh, also Zappacosta
0: style, apparently. Yeah, with, you know, <laughs> it's
1: just that. Well, that was, I mean, if you want to transition to that, I mean, that was definitely a cross. You can actually see him looking yes. for the back yeah. post runner and he's trying to get the ball right from um, the, the right wing all the way to the back post, so he absolutely smashes it. And you can yes. see he's, he tries to whip the ball around the final defender and just catches it too well, and it goes near post. But anyway, back <laughs> um, Yeah, just a comprehensive 3-0 win, really. They didn't look uh, terribly troubled. And uh, I didn't think they played their best football. I think Christian Eriksson hasn't started the season as well as he finished it. And to compete for the league, they really need him at, in top, top form. But um, but yeah, just easy three points for them. In terms of Everton, they're kind of a bit, um, what do I call it, square pegs and round holes at the moment. they got a lot of tens and, and attacking midfielders. But until I get uh, Balassi back, they really don't know kind of uh, pacey width and, you know, the. The difference between this season and last is remarkable. Where they had the kind of target man who can hold it up. They don't have that anymore. I took obviously the a target who's and they play with flying wingers, and now it's all very central. And you've got to play, I mean, you're paying $45 million or whatever it was for Sidgotson. Um, you've got to play him at 10 in his best position. There's no point kind of, yeah, playing him out of position just to fit him in the team and all these, all these other players. I guess you can understand why Coleman. I mean, thank goodness Ross Barkley's not fit, because where the hell does he play? He's another <laughs> yeah. 10 slash attacking midfielder. You know, they've got too many of them. They need to get more more width. But I wonder, I, if, I I wonder that... if the
0: plan was sort of that he was going to be sold and that Rooney was essentially taking his, or, or maybe even Klaassen was taking his spot in the team.
1: Yeah, yeah, potentially. But even though David is more of a standard central yeah. midfielder, which Barkley isn't. I mean, he's very much attacking a mid-slash-slash-10. Can't, can't play anywhere else. Rooney these days, well, I think everyone knows he's not that good dropping, dropping deep. He's got to play up,
0: just up on, top, but he's just very forward. With the mm. uh, issues during the week or in the last fortnight with him with his, uh drinking issue, drink-driving um, what was your take on the fact that he started the game for Everton? Do you think, I mean, there's sort of talk that he'll be sanctioned internally by Everton, but do you think it sent a good message with the fact that he was able to still be named in the starting 11 for the game, or do you not think it really makes a big difference?
1: Oh, well, it's kind of player that he plays his best football when he's kind of, gets criticised and he's a Bachelor of War kind of player. Well, he, he always kind of um, has been, he's had a lot of criticism throughout his <laughs> career for both on and off the pitch um, issues. But, no, I don't really have a problem with him kind of playing at the end of it. I mean, he definitely needs to be sanctioned, because it's not acceptable to do that. I mean, I know <clears throat> for, for a fact that he's been barred from several establishments in the Manchester area right. because of uh, former issues with the drink. Right. So, you know, and, and that even, is and then even on a the long-standing theology,
0: issue. He... Um late in the game against Ali, clearly getting quite frustrated. Got, was quite lucky to get away with just a yellow card. Um, don't know if you saw that particular incident, but I, I, I caught it on um, a bit of discussion today about uh, incidents that might have drawn a red card in another day where he uh, he shows I guess he's you know losing his cool when they're not playing too well um, that he's not able to keep his head. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season progresses for both Everton and, and in particular Rooney. He, he started it well enough, but um, it'll be interesting to see how you know he, how he sort of stays in the team and, and whether he can keep scoring the goals that he, he needs to be scoring.
1: There are a lot, a lot of comparisons to be made between Di Ali and Wayne Rooney. <laughs> you know, both both no, in yeah. like, not now, but when when they were younger, yeah, you know, yeah. Rooney the hot head broke on, onto the scene. When things weren't going his way, he would lash out, and it's the same thing that Ali's doing through now. So the big question for I guess Pochettino and at the moment Southgate is which is a big debate that we had on Wayne Rooney for many years, do you try and rein that in, or is that the part of his game that he needs to really play his best football? But, you know, that's something for Pochettino more than anyone else to try to sort out. Uh, uh, Yeah,
0: well, I was just going to move on to the next topic um, there, Mm. but I guess... Uh, something that we talked about last week as well, which has sort of come to fruition this week, was the sacking of De Boa uh, from Crystal Palace after their loss to Burnley, which some say was sort of coming regardless of the result against Burnley, which I suspect is probably true given the rumours over that international break. Um, but mm. what's your take on it? I mean, a few people have said, well, better to bite the bullet early if you realise it's not working, but do you got to then ask the question, why hire him in the first place?
1: Well, I think, you know... Um you look at who's, who's replacing now in, in Roy Hodgson and that kind of t- tells you everything. The Premier League is so cutthroat, it's so difficult these days um, that it's extremely hard to bring in a new manager with, with a new philosophy, especially a philosophy which uh, he doesn't have players that are used to. You know, Guardiola's brought in the kind of Spanish tiki-taka players are already those kind of players at City. When Van Gaal came to United, he brought in a bunch of Dutchmen as well and a whole and a whole Dutch coaching staff to kind of train them on, on on that style. It's but obviously those two clubs have got far better players, yeah. Um, that and far more more technical players than Crystal Palace do, and so you know they've given in four games to get all those players into a completely new style. I know there's question marks. But, um, I think Frank de Boer wasn't terribly pleased with the the pace of the, their transfer activity this year, particularly with regards to Mamadou Sakho's transfer, which, you know, really should have been done day one. You know, that was always, they basically had over a couple of million pounds for, you know, two, three months, which is quite unnecessary. Um, so the fact they've gone to Roy Hodgson is the, complete, is the complete opposite of Frank DeVore. You know, he's which is, everyone knows what he's, what he's going to do. He's an old English style manager. People can point to the fact that, you know, he's been there, done it, he can save them. And it's the exact opposite. I mean, so if you... I guess you'd question whether Palace really wanted a new football philosophy. Which is the strange baseball.
0: thing, because I mean, everyone's making the same point. When you look at, they had Pardew there, who was, I guess, sort of along the same lines as Deboa in terms of playing more free-flowing attacking football, uh, and then going mm-hmm. back to Allardyce, and then going from Allardyce back to Deboa and then now going from Deboa to Hodgson, and it's sort of like very different, very mixed messages being given to the players, and expecting them to sort of just at the click of fingers switch their formations, switch their philosophies, uh, and immediately get results.
1: Well, the, ne- the next four games—what uh, city? In no particular order: Southampton, City, Chelsea, and United. I think it, I think we did find If those were their first four games of the season, the board would be fine because cool. the management above them would say, "Well, he's had a pretty tough start. He's lost all four. That's fine." They're pointing back to the cutthroat nature of the lead. They've had a fairly easy start and no points, no goals. They're going to be zero and eight most likely.
0: Well, that's, I guess, my question is then, is there an expectation that Hodgson's going to get something out of the next four games? Because if there isn't, why not just give those as a free hit to DeBoer and say, look, we're not expecting anything from these four anyway. Um, Try and show us what you can do, develop that philosophy, and then at least he's got eight games, two months of football, essentially, to actually hang his hat on and say, well. After those games, nothing's changed. I mean, they they didn't look terrible against Liverpool. They didn't look terrible against Burnley. They actually showed pretty good signs. It just seems quite strange to sort of... Uh, it's it's not like they were getting smashed. I mean, the Huddersfield game aside, which was obviously the exception, they, they mm. haven't really looked off the pace that much and really should have beaten Burnley.
1: Mate, you're ex- exactly, exactly um, correct. I mean, on that last time against Burnley, they really... <laughs> You know, they stole they stole defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, you know, they really they played really, really well. Created numerous chances, numerous easy chances. You're kind of missing tap-ins in the six-yard box, that kind of stuff. It's hard to point to the manager and and um, to blame for that. And you know, looking from afar, you can see at least on the pitch, there's been in terms of style of play and form, there has been improvement there. But then, English football maybe it's choose a cliche, but it's a results business. And if yeah. you're not getting results, people make changes. You know, there's a lot of money involved these days. Uh, um, chairman and CEOs, they're not, they're, they're not as patient as, as um, they once were. So I, I, don't, I don't know where Frank DeWort goes to from here, which is a bit unfortunate because it was, you know, a couple of years ago, he was a, you know, bright young coach and then the next, the next big Dutch coach um, coming through. He's been been sat from Inter after, you know, three, four months, and he's been sat at um, Palace after three months. So, you know, hopefully he goes back to Holland and rebuilds his career, Cause it's always a shame when someone comes in with bright new ideas and it doesn't work initially, That's it's kind of shunted out to, you know, China or somewhere like that.
0: Which is but, quite amazing why, and I mean, to, to sort of um, bring up Hull in these yeah. sort of conversations, with Marco Silva first and now Leonid Slutsky, in a way, in retrospect, it's actually quite amazing that Silva took the punt and came to Hull because I suppose coming in halfway through the season is slightly less risk because you know you're kind of there as the saviour and the expectation mm. is relegation, so if he does any better, that's sort of um, it's a, it's sort of a no-lose situation for him um, versus coming in at the start of the season, I guess, would be that perspective. But then for Slutsky coming in at the start of the season in the championship even, it'd be even riskier for him because if he does poorly not only is it likely he'd get sacked, but also he's been sacked from a championship club, so he's not even got that Premier League experience on his CV. So it's interesting seeing managers still taking that risk and taking that punt to come across to England, despite this now mm. churning nature of the uh, managerial man- merry-go-round, as the uh, as we've dubbed it.
1: Well, it was a really ballsy move by Marto Silva, and you know it's proved to be but it's a fantastic decision by him. It showed a lot of character's... Uh, Brennan Rogers would say, you know, <laughs> leaving guaranteed Champions League football and a guaranteed title Olympiakos every year to, to, to move to Hull. And, you know, he almost kind of saved you with their threadbare f- squad and playing some half-decent, attractive football, which you probably haven't seen for quite a few years yes. down a Hull, um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, but he, he got the most out of those players there, and that earned him a decent job in the prem So, uh, you know, there is, there is still... Yeah, that, that's why I trying kind to of say I don't want Frank DeBoer and these managers of different kind of styles just to be out of the English game or else you end up with, you know, five or six superstar coaches in the top six and then 14 Tony Pulis's. That doesn't really help develop English football um, at all. So, yeah, hopefully, Marco Silva kind of encourages others. I mean, I must say, I haven't uh, followed Hull's results to know how Sluts strong. strong. Wow. but I also think a lot of these managers are coming across to England to build their reputation yes. so I think that Marco Silva builds his reputation earns a lot more money managing Hull for half a season than managing Olympiato should everyone know it's like managing Celtic no one cares Yeah, no one cares you're a know, one team league and you know yeah, you know, Brendan Rodgers' success last year on the of season, that means nothing on the global stage. Because yeah. you all know he flopped in England.
0: Worst ever uh, European defeat this morning for them as well, which wasn't great to Good. see. Um, was just touching... great to see, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just touching on Hull. Uh, well, funnily enough, I mean, talking about attractive football, we do happen to be... Uh, well, I think coming into the last uh, round of fixtures, we were the top scorers in the division by quite some distance and, and had a healthy goal difference, which got completely obliterated by Derby, so I think we've now scored 12, conceded 12 after five games or something crazy like that. Um, But seeing Leeds up the top of the division, which is an unfamiliar sight for many, it's been quite a few years since they were doing quite this well, Um, we talked just before going to air about the prospect of Leeds coming back back up into the Premier League, but what would that mean in terms of... I mean, they haven't been in the Premier League since I really... Been following the Premier League. Uh, what would it mean to have mm. a club of that stature back back up in the top division and, and some pretty genuine hatred with a couple of teams in the in the top league?
1: It would be great for English football. They've got a, a well-renowned academy there, so they'll they'll be able to develop more uh, good good young English footballers that won't get poached by the big academies like United and City and Liverpool and that and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, huge club, huge supporter base, um, good stadium, Ellen Road. I've, I've visited there twice, um, and the derbies, you know, as I t- touched on uh, just privately beforehand with you, it would be great for the Derbys. In terms of, uh, from the United fans' perspective, uh, Liverpool's top, always will be top, due to you know the, the league titles and the amount of times we've fought for lead titles over the years. Leeds to be second, same reason. And I know people that you know only started watching. There's a few of them, and I'm not saying just glory hunters. It's only because you know of certain peoples on the forums, a ages, kind of in your mid twenties, you haven't seen Leeds in the prem. No. but you know Leeds and United fought out for lead titles for so years and years and years, particularly in the latter years of the old First Division, and it kind of went back and forth a bit. You've got the the Eric Cantona and Alan Smith element. You know the transfers between the two clubs. You know, so the rivalry there is really intense. Which and, I mean, um, I, don't, I don't like giving Leeds credit. A bit
0: I, I don't like giving Leeds credit at any time, but it's pretty unfortunate from their point of view with the way that it's split between First Division and Premier League. Because if I'm not wrong, they won the last old First Division title. So in a way, I did. Um, they they haven't won a Premier League title, obviously, but they're about as close to it as you can get
1: and if I'm not mistaken um, I think Aston Villa was second in that in right. uh, last uh, first <laughs> efficient <laughs> progress, very, uh, very unusual have a mighty have yeah. fallen yes yeah. so um well, Villa, yeah, Villa hopefully hopefully do come
0: up. Yeah, and and Villa having a pretty interesting start to the to the league as well. I think they had a draw this morning. Um, I can't remember who they played. It might have been Middlesbrough. So not a terrible result from that point of view. But Steve Bruce struggling there. A bit of talk that he might get the sack, um, which I think could be pretty harsh. Only from the from the point of view that that club has just seemed it, like Sunderland. They seem to have these culture issues where, as soon as things go wrong, the manager gets sacked. A new manager comes in maybe a little bit like the way the Palace is going now, where the squad sort of, you know, doesn't cop the blame for what's going on, and I think they need someone mm. like Bruce at the club to sort of set them straight, and whether it takes... I mean, I, I, to be honest, I thought they'd be doing better this season, but whether it takes until next season to really sort of stabilise them and go for that push for promotion, I don't know. But then they're certainly not going to get relegated under him, and I don't think they could do a whole lot better at this stage.
1: No, no, I mean teams like teams like Villa and other ones that have gone down and your, your club Hull and that. they really need to get, get kind of back to basics and back to what kind of got them up there in, in the first place and for a lot for a lot of those clubs it's youth you've got to invest in your academy get young players in and then supplement good quality young players with talent around them so you don't buy a whole team you have a core group and then you have the supplemental players around them like from you know they brought through what a Bob, Bob Lahore, Lee Hendry, uh, a couple of brothers, Fabian Delph, and, and a few. Oh, sorry, I think they bought Delph from Leeds when he was a kid. But but yeah, you know, they brought awesome. through a a core of you know English players through the academy, and I have done um, had done for years previously, and then supplemented them with good players around them, and that's how they kind of moved moved up and progressed. That's same same thing with Leeds. And you know, clubs that do go down really need to get away from the mega kind of transfers, paying championship level players, Premier League kind of uh, wages and transfer fees, and get back to basics. Yeah, so, which yeah, hopefully, ho- I mean, hopefully, your mob can do. Well, I was going to say, I A- mean, we've,
0: we've sort of followed that that model with um, the, probably the average age of the players we've brought in is about 23, 24. Um, not mm. quite with the same ambition of generating this core squad to get up I mean it's more from the perspective of the resaleability of them if they have a couple of good years with us but at least we're following that model of young hungry players who can do a good job in the championship so we have got John Terrell from Arsenal we've got a couple of loanees from mm. Chelsea um, which is the game we'll talk about in a second but um, you bring in that sort of good young core it's a lot better than going after you know your 31 32 year olds who yes I mean, you obviously need a couple of those with the experience of the league, but you don't want to be stacking a team with the older players who are just sort of cashing in a last paycheck and don't have that ambition. John Terry, John Terry. (laughs) Well, exactly. So I think that was a big mistake for Villa, and um, we'll see how that pans out for them. But speaking of John Terry, speaking of Arsenal and Chelsea players, we can talk about that Arsenal-Chelsea game this weekend. and. Pretty pretty big game at this stage of the season for Arsenal, um, given the way that they've started the season and, and what it could mean for them if they do, as I would suspect, go down with a loss to Chelsea. But um, Chelsea really have bounced back from that first loss to Burnley uh, and are starting to look pretty good.
1: Yeah, they are. They're playing free flying football. They're, they're getting the, the breaks at the moment too. I you was know, watching the, the game... I just probably this morning your time last night my time, you know every time the ball went in the box you know, the deflections always bounce the Chelsea players shots kind of de- 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 Deflected in and that's not taking anything away from their performance But you know, you need those breaks yeah. to win trophies to win premierships to win cups That kind of stuff and, and you know the, the longer those breaks go your way the more chance you have of w- Winning these trophies and they're getting those breaks at the moment. They're playing well Battier played well this morning. You know, he's going to be extremely important given they sold Matic for him to really, you know, take the reins of that midfield just Chante. He's obviously more of a destroyer than a creator, and they're going to need Battier to do the heavy lifting there. I don't know how much Fabregas has left in the in the tank these days. Um, but yeah, the defence looks a bit more bit more solid. Good to see Marcus Christensen play um, last night as well. I feel like. Not much. Andreas Richardson, Um, play, and they need to get him into the team because he's really their, their best young uh, centre half, and, and very experienced going forward. In terms of the game, I can only see one result, and that's a heavy defeat for, defeat for Arsenal. They play when they want to play, and I can't guarantee. I can't say with any confidence they're going to play this weekend. They they played well against Bournemouth. What did you make of the
0: booze for Sanchez when he came on?
1: I think that's overdone. I heard, I mean, I've got a, a, a lot of Arsenal mates, a few, a few season ticket holders too, and there was more applause, I thought, than there were there were boos. Uh, lots of boos going around towards Mesut Ozil, most kind of players. Um, but you know, I don't think anyone kind of a lot of their but base doesn't begrudge Sanchez because they can see that there's very little can see direction at, at that club. There. Well, yeah, I mean. It, I mean, to be fair, it the situation. What, 29 or 30. Yeah. He's got one more big contract, one, you know, one more big five-year deal on him. He wants to win trophies. He said when he came to the club he wanted to win trophies. And he yeah. didn't want to win FA Cups when he moved to Arsenal. He wanted yeah. to win Prems, yeah. and he wanted to challenge for the Champions League. And that's probably the promise he was kind of sold And they got Ozil when he probably thought, oh, here we go. Things are Things are, you know... Looking good, but it just hasn't happened for them and he's been there, he's been kind of carrying them and for him, he's got opportunities to go to clubs where he doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting and he can be guaranteed Champions League football and challenge for titles every year. So, you know, know, if you put put the shoe on the other foot, um, you know, I don't think many Arsenal fans should really begrudge him. He's still going to give 110% for the team every single week and in terms of players leaving your club, you can't really ask for too much more than that.
0: I mean, we sort of, we had quite a long talk about Arsenal last week, so probably just touched on it mm. this week. But in terms of, as you say, everyone would sort of be expecting quite a heavy Chelsea win in this game. Is it concerning from an Arsenal perspective that increasingly these games against the top clubs are becoming quite inevitable as heavy losses and they're sort of slowly moving down those rungs in English football to the point where they are almost genuinely, not even just as a joke, troll sort of comment, but they are almost genuinely becoming mid-table?
1: It's not. It's. It's not the. Um, it's not the point kind of the fact they they're being flogged. It's the way they're losing. Like when they lost. Who it, when they lost to Liverpool in the lead up. I think to the third goal. You saw Aaron Ramsey talking to the bench while his man ran past him, got to the near post for the finish, and he's at the halfway line talking to Vender. You know, you look at most of the goals they concede, and I'm not sure. The defense is that bad. I still think Rob Holding's got tremendous ability. You don't lose that overnight The fact is no one in front of him is is helping them at the moment their, de- their midfield is incredibly lazy in terms of tra- tracking back and that's a mentality issue and Until they fix their mentality I believe they will slide down the table because they're not going to be able to bring in enough enough quality there to, um, to to make up for it. You know, there's a, there's, there is an opinion here from a, from a few Arsenal fans that they don't need world-class players. What they need is players who are going to come in and give 110% and graft and work their absolute asses off. And that's probably a fair statement. I, I've thought for some time that one of the major problems at Arsenal does lie with Aaron Ramsey, and his whole attitude is pretty disgraceful. He's one of the biggest I play when I feel like it kind of players. It's pretty, so, pretty remarkable, know, given where he was at it a it couple in. of years ago. Well, he's got talent. You know, I reckon he does more for Wales than he does for Arsenal when he only plays for them five times a year. <laughs> Whenever he plays, plays for Wales, he plays well. He had, a, had a great Euros. And, you know, all the Arsenal fans are like, oh, yeah, Ramsey's back. No, he's not back. Yeah, he plays he when he feels sc- like it. He
0: scores winners in FA Cups, which I don't, don't remember him ever doing, but I'm sure people have told me he's, he's done that a couple of times. Um,
1: when he feels <laughs> like it, mate. When he feels like it. Uh, we'll,
0: we'll talk about your mob then just around round things off And they've got a game against Everton. Probably the highlight of this game, obviously, being the return of Wayne Rooney. Um, it, the game's at Old Trafford, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So that'll be a pretty um, main story point, I would think, out of this game. But um, obviously stumbled for the first time this year mm. against Stoke last week, but mm. probably back... I, mean, I I heard an interesting stat that you haven't won at um, at Stoke since Alex Ferguson retired.
1: That wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Mourinho has won at Stoke in the last six games there. Yeah, we should have won he, that game. It's just sloppy, uh, too sloppy defence. I mean, they scored two, two decent goals, but Chip you know, became they, a
0: superstar, yeah.
1: They really should have been kind of cut off long before then. And I mean, but basically, both times the yeah, the striker was one on one with the defender in a, in, a, in a situation, and really, it shouldn't have got there. So they didn't really pose any other threat a, a, apart from him. Uh, so can, we didn't we didn't take our chances. Are you concerned um, so, by the um,
0: Pogba injury this morning in terms of how long he might
1: be out? He left Old Trafford on crutches. That's not a great sign. Hopefully it's precautionary. Um, I've never you know, he got a little bit of an injury last year, but it kinda of came at the right time. It was a it was a two weeker and he'd already played about forty games for that season, playing every game and most of those games ninety minutes and we've kind of freshened him up for the final quarter quarter of the season. It's not it's not great. Um, hopefully it's, it's not a bad one because you know he's you, still only 24 25 and you don't want a major Hamstring injury because those tend to be kind of recurring once you do it badly yeah. once So it is concerning. What's also concerning is his natural replacement. Andreas Pereira has gone on loan to Valencia We do have a recall option there. You say you probably bring in Ando Herrera to to replace Podber. love Ander Herrera, but he's not mr. Creative He's kind of a little bit like Nemanja Matic with a little bit more to his game. Um, so I'm not sure how that central midfield pairing will go. For all the people that dislike him, Fellaini was superb last night, absolutely superb. But he didn't play as a central midfielder. He kind of played more as an uh, absolutely forward. Which is, so I I, don't know I, I, I've
0: said for years, I think his best position. And that, that was when he was so good for Everton, was when he was that sort of mm. centre-forward role.
1: Yeah, yeah, he kind of would. kind of starts starts almost in an advanced attacking midfield role, and then whenever the ball's out wide, he just bombs to the box and gets involved. And scored a nice goal and and created one last night. So they might do Fellaini. I know Mourinho likes Fellaini. Usually, the bench option there. But if I put money on it, I'll put Ander Herrera in there, which you know he's a decent player. So that that that'll be fine in terms of us playing Everton. Obviously, Lukaku as well. Playing oh yeah, them for of the, course. For the, of the first time, runs, yeah. And if I was him I'd be looking forward to playing against, you know, Fine's Mori and Jackie Eltra. Well he likes scoring against Minos, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, but, but that's what we need for him. Like I've said yeah, before, you yeah. know, we don't need him against the good teams. You know, we need him against the Minnows. That's where we got points usually. So, you know, hopefully he kinda of keeps keep that up. And I, am I worried about Rooney? Well it kind of he tends to be one of those players that, you know the strip rights itself yeah. some way so I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he did score. interesting to see how he celebrates that will be really interesting if he goes nuts whether he does you know the kind of hold his hands up and doesn't celebrate um, yeah. thing but yeah I'd be looking for your a 2-1 when
0: do you get bothered if a player did celebrate against you?
1: well yeah. a couple of years ago I, I had no problems when Danny Welbeck scored against us and went went wild you know a bit at the end of the day, like you store a goal, you store a goal in any sport, it's just you know, instant emotion. Yeah, and, and, and so, I like guess
0: the point that I've
1: seen made is obviously, employees... if if he if he like ran down the other side of the pitch oh, and yeah, was sliding all over the yeah, place, just... kissing the badge, saying I hate United, then I'll probably take a bit personally. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but you know, if it's a reasonable celebration, like if, if he stores a winner or yeah. equalizer in the 90th minute, I'm not gonna and going to be grudging, going crazy, that's yeah. fine.
0: I mean, I, I guess the point I've seen made in, in that respect is, I mean, he's, he's paid by Everton now, he, he's an employee of Everton, he's supported by Everton supporters, you know, he's within his right to show them the respect of actually being happy about scoring a goal for them. Um, and then as you say, of course, you still have that line of, well, you don't want to go overboard, you don't want to, you know, shush the crowd or do anything to incite the crowd or anything yeah. like a certain Adebayor did, um, but you can still <laughs> show a little bit of emotion, I think. Absolutely,
1: absolutely the, the,
0: the famous one I can remember is um, for us was Danny Graham. Um, when he read him online from Sunderland, and he was awful all season, and he scored one goal for the season, and that was against Swansea, who he used to play for. And he didn't celebrate. And it's, you know, this, this bloke hasn't scored in, like, 20, 25 games. Scores the, the goal after, I think, about 10, 15 minutes into the game, and doesn't celebrate. And I just think, come on, you know, you've got to show some enjoyment. You know, you don't know how, how when you're going to score your next goal. Um... So, yeah.
1: well, I, do, I, I do remember Van Persie scoring on his return to the Emirates for United, and he didn't celebrate. Oh, and right. then he got, he got absolutely like, abused. He saw it early, like, real early yeah. in the game. And then he got absolutely abused and blasted by the Arsenal fans, you know, calling everything out under the sun. Next time he saw against Arsenal, yeah. geez, he celebrated. <laughs> he went absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good on you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, like, you, I, I can't see United fans, to, they're not on a boo rune or anything like that. Yeah, They'd boom! If he was still playing central midfield for us, sure. <laughs> but now he's gone, we, we don't care. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: what's your score prediction for
1: that one, the United Everton game? I'm gonna call it two-one uh, to United. Rooney to get a consolation goal, and I'll go for Mata and Lukaku. Yeah,
0: Lukaku's in uh, pretty good scoring form at the moment. I'll probably go similar. I might say, I mean, you make a good point about Rooney always sort of writing the headlines, so maybe he will get on the score sheet. So maybe a 2-1 or 3-1 win from me as well. But thank you for coming on, Bayan.
1: No problem, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back this time next week, and until then, we'll see you on the forums.